28. We'll get started right away with it. Proverbs 14.28 says this, In a multitude of people is a king's honor, but in the lack of people is the downfall of a prince. If you're going to be a leader, you're going to need followers, right? Uh, Every church needs a congregation. Every school needs students. And in this case, in the lack of people is the downfall of a prince. In other words, you can, you can do everything you can to declare yourself a king or a prince or something like that. But if you have no followers, it really doesn't mean much, does it? Uh, verse 29. He who is slow to wrath has great understanding. In other words, if you're slow to wrath, you don't get angry quickly. Uh, if you don't get angry quickly, the Bible says you're of great understanding. You're a wise person. Uh, But he who is impulsive exalts folly. Now, that word folly is really, the meaning of that is really just foolishness. Now, someone who has a quick temper is a foolish person, a foolish individual. And their life will be peppered by foolish choices, by foolish incidences. Uh, Verse 30, a sound heart is life to the body. But envy, envy is rottenness to the bones. Now, what is a sound heart? Well, a sound heart is one that's stable. Uh, it's one that's spiritual. It's one that's right. Uh, it's one that is, has the proper perspective on life. And he contrasts that, that sound heart that, uh, that is the life of the body to envy. He says envy, to have envy, to have a heart full of envy, just rots you from the inside out. Now, what you have on the inside uh, will influence you on the outside, right? Uh, The Bible talks about things like speech and things like that that come from within our hearts. Um, What you are on the inside will influence you on the outside. A rottenness can begin on the inside to which really no one else really sees, but can kind of eat you away on the inside. Verse 31, he who oppresses the poor reproaches his maker. Now that's a pretty strong verse. That means we really, that we should not take advantage of the poor. We should not take advantage of the less fortunate. We should not be a reproach to them. Why? Because to be a reproach to them is to be a reproach to who? To God himself, right? To our maker. Anyone who oppresses the poor shows contempt for his maker. Because that poor person also is the image of God, isn't he? But he who honors him, now that's he who honors God, He who honors our maker, he who honors God, has mercy on the needy. So if we honor our maker, if we honor our Lord and King, an outpouring of that is having mercy on the poor and those less fortunate than us. Okay, so let's look at verse 31 now. Verse 32. The wicked is banished in his wickedness, but the righteous has a refuge in his death. In other words, those who trust and obey the Lord have a sense of security, even in catastrophe. The wicked, think about the wicked who don't follow the Lord, 
who don't listen to his word, they are cast down in the time of calamity. But the righteous, listen, even in death, the righteous have a refuge. And of course, we know as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ that our refuge is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. We have a refuge, even in time of calamity, even, even in time in threat of death. Verse 33, wisdom rests in the heart of him who has understanding, but what is in the heart of fools is made known. Now, to put it simply, I, I heard this in a, in a quote once, uh, wisdom is kind of like a river. The deeper it runs, the less noise it makes. In other words, a person who has wisdom will hide it in his heart and not necessarily spout everything out with his mouth. But a fool, a fool, uh, oftentimes everything comes out of his mouth and you, 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 it becomes a public matter pretty quick. Verse 34, sometimes the most wise thing we can do is keep our mouths shut, right? Uh, righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. A nation's prosperity is not measured in its economics. It's not measured in its economics. Now, when we think about uh, elections, and we're start, have, starting to talk about elections, both here and even in the U.S., we're starting to talk about elections, uh, you get many people who, who um, when, they, when they go out to vote, they, they're thinking this way, I'm going to vote for the person who's going to give me the most money. And I think, what a, what a, what a foolish way to vote. I, I, it's, it's not a wise way to, to do it, you know? How foolish it would be to vote for, by your wallet. Why? Because a nation's prosperity is not measured in money. A nation's prosperity is measured in righteousness. And now when I think about our situation today, I think, you know what? If a, if a nation's Prosperity, if a nation's blessing is measured in righteousness, I think we're in deep trouble. Because we are not a righteous people, are we? We are not a righteous nation. Because we lack righteousness. When a nation loses its moral foundation, we become in deep, deep trouble. And the Bible says that's a reproach to any people. It's righteousness that exalts a nation. And so we're talking about friendships today. And there is much that the Proverbs says about friendship. Much, uh, there is much it has to teach us. Why? Because God has made us all to be social beings, hasn't he? Now that is the design of God. Personal friendships rank among the most rewarding and beneficial aspects in all of life. Nothing, nothing like having a good friend, huh? A true friend. Now, not every one of us, even in this room this morning, would consider themselves an outgoing person. Uh, in other words, some of us don't even necessarily love to be around people all the time. I can understand that. I, I, I probably fall more into the lines of, of, of that. Uh, but you know, not everyone here does. However, everyone at some point or another Everyone in their lives will be influenced by someone, will be influenced by a friend, either for good or for ill. Now, it has been my experience in life that a good friendship is truly one of the most rewarding and beneficial things in all of life. 
By the way, it is one of the few relationships that you can actually choose. Have you thought about that? You can choose a friendship. Uh, you, you, know, you, you, uh, you can choose a marriage partner. Uh, that's one thing you can choose in life. You know, you can uh, marry someone and, and uh, you're married until death do you part, yes. And you can also choose a friend. You can say, well, I, I, I like so-and-so and so-and-so and, and -so likes me, so uh, we can be friends. And you choose to associate by your free will with a friend. But most other relationships are not that way. You, know, you couldn't pick your mom and dad. Right? You really had no choice in the matter. Uh, you couldn't pick your siblings, your brothers, and your sisters, because really you had no choice in that matter either, did you? Uh, usually you cannot choose who you work with, unless maybe you're the boss and you can fire and hire people until you find somebody that you like, you can work with well. Uh, but usually you can't choose who you work with. You're kind of uh, hired at a job and you're put side by side with other people. And I guess the same goes for our Churches that we attend, right? We, we don't necessarily choose who attends the church and who, uh, who, we, who we worship with. It just kind of happens. But friendship, friendship is one of those unique opportunities in life because you can choose an individual to be your friend. And if you choose wisely, it can be very beneficial. Now, however, not all friendships are positive. Some friendships can be harmful to one's character and to their spiritual walk. The Proverbs gives us timeless and inspired advice uh, concerning establishing and maintaining friendships. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. We'll hit some of the negatives today. Yes, some of the negatives about friendships. Uh, but we're going to emphasize the idea of positive friendships uh, this morning. So let's jump right into the first principle regarding friendship. That's Roman numeral number one. Does everyone have an outline? I apologize to the people back home uh, who are uh, listening on Zoom, but uh, I think uh, I, I, I look for a way to, to kind of get the, uh, the outline to you, and, and I couldn't find every, I couldn't open everybody's addresses, so I couldn't get it sent. But uh, you can break out a sheet of paper, a pen, or whatever. Uh, point, Roman numeral number one. Our character will be affected by our friends. Our character will be affected by our friends. Now, this is an interesting point. And by the way, let me just help you with something, okay? I read something, an article uh, somewhere uh, just this week that said most people have made most of their friends by the time they're 30 to 35 years old. In other words, after they get 30 to 35 years old, they get... Uh, older than that, then they usually do not find themselves entering into a lot of new friendships. I think that's sad. I think it's, uh, I think it's a shame, especially in a church setting where new people are coming into the church all the time. Now, can I encourage you about something? Don't be satisfied with just a tiny little circle of friends who are maybe your age or who are maybe just like you. Uh, you know, if you do, you're kind of cheating yourself. You really are. Um, uh, you're cheating yourself of an opportunity to get, no, to get to know more and more people on a, on a, on a greater and a better uh, basis and to build friendships. So don't just hang around uh, with 
people who are just like you or, or people who are just your age. Get to know people of all different ages, yeah, all different types, people like that. Don't just hang out with people who are like you. Don't limit yourself socially. But if you do choose your friends, choose your friends carefully. Choose your friends wisely. And that's what uh, we're going to be talking about this morning. Why? Because your character, your own character, will be influenced by the friends that you choose. Uh, your character the, and the character of your friends will affect you. Now, turn with me to Proverbs chapter 27. Proverbs chapter 27. We're going to look at verse 17. Proverbs 27 and verse 17. And we've used this verse probably uh, more than any other verse in the Proverbs uh, during our ser uh, series. Proverbs 27 and verse 17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the counsel of his friends. Now, listen carefully here. I want you to think of the person in this world whom you regard as your closest friend. Think about that person who is your closest friend. It might be a spouse. It might be somebody else. Think of that person. Now, I'm going to tell you something about that person and about you. You are like that person. Ah, you may not like that, but you are like that person. It's the truth. You are like that person. Do you know that frequently a friend is like looking into the mirror? Now, not a literal mirror per se, but a mirror of the soul. People who are like-minded, or as the Bible uses the expression with, uh, uh, about David and Jonathan's relationship, their souls were knit together. And we all could often talk about people finding friends who are uh, soulmates or who are kindred spirits, things like that. That's what we're talking about. To look into the mirror of an individual you call a friend is very much like looking into the mirror and seeing yourself. It really is. And that's what Proverbs is telling us. The picture presented in this particular verse is, uh, is that of a tool being sharpened. So let's look at letter A. Close associations inevitably are are in, have an influence upon us. They inevitably have an influence upon us. So you cannot be close to someone without being influenced by them. I think we know that. For example, have you ever been around someone who used strong vocabulary? And I'm not talking about bad words or anything like that. Not that kind of strong. But someone who had an extensive vocabulary. And because you've been around them long enough, you pick up different words and phrases that normally you wouldn't have learned before. And, and, you, and you use them because they use them. Uh, this has happened in my life um, because um, there's, been, there's been influence in my life. Uh, sometimes I'll call an old friend back in the U.S. Uh, name's James. Uh, but I'll call him back in the U.S. and I'll talk to him for an hour or so on the phone. And, and when I hang up, Rachel will come to me and she'll say, Boy, your whole demeanor changed. You, you used words and phrases and said things that, that, that you don't even say them that way anymore. Says, um, uh, you know, you, your, your accent, your American accent even gets more pronounced. You know, the, the Detroit in me comes out. Um, 
And, and I've noticed that. You know, she's noticed that. I've noticed in our family that when one of us, uh, any, any member of our family starts picking up a particular phrase, maybe it's something that's in fad or whatever, that uh, the rest of the family will start using that phrase for a while until it gets worn out. Um, everyone seems to pick, on, pick up on it and use it for a while. Now, think on this. Every friend you have will influence you similarly. Every friend you have. Letter B. Because of the inevitable influence of our friends, it is vital that our closest friends be those who can sharpen us in areas that we are dull. That they sharpen us in areas where we're dull. Now, your friend may not be superior to you in every way. Hopefully they're not. Um, but they should be superior to you in at least some ways, some significant way, so that you can learn from them. Now, listen closely here. Friendship ought to be a challenge. Friendship ought to be a growing experience for you. And by that, I mean this. The people that I am closest to, uh, there should be something about them that changes me personally, that changes me for the better. Some area wherein they are in expertise, and I am not, and I can learn from them, and I can grow from them. Some ability or attitude that they carry that is better than mine, so that they can sharpen my dullness. And you know what? I can have things in my life and abilities in my life that I can rub off on them, and I can make them better too. Friendship should be a challenge. Now, I've met some people, some people who seek to make friends of individuals who are completely inferior to them in every way, who don't challenge them in any way. I wonder why. Maybe just to build up their own sense of superiority, right? Make themselves feel better. I don't know. But that is never beneficial. That is not to say a friend will be superior to you in everything. Now, there needs to be some things in which you're superior to them so that you can sharpen them, right? But it is to say that when you make friendships, choose someone who can challenge you and sharpen you in an area that you may be dull in, in some significant way. Let her see. That which has the potential to sharpen also has the potential to dull. That which has the potential to sharpen also has the potential to dull. I remember my father, uh, when I was a child, my father used to have one of those sharpening machines. I don't know how to describe it, except one of those machines with a big stone on it, and this, you, you plug it in, and the stone starts turning, and you, you, you rub metal against it, 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 it sharpens it. And bench grinder, yeah, okay. Uh, shows you what type of tool guy I am, huh? Uh, but yeah, um, and he would use this thing, and as a, as a kid, I'd watch him sharpen it, uh, sharpen tools, a blade of some sort, and you know, one time after he left, turned off the machine, I thought, okay, now it's my turn. I'm going to get a chance to sharpen it. So I you know, plugged in the machine, took, I don't know what it was, some kind of tool or a mower blade or something like that, and I just pressed it against that, uh, that wheel. You know what happened? It didn't sharpen it. It dulled it. It made it dull. I dulled the blade. And so the verse we're referencing here is talking about influence. 
Just as someone can sharpen us, uh, influence can be negative and it can dull us. Recognize the fact that influence can have a dulling effect on you. Now be careful to stay around people with a sharpening influence and how important that is in regards to friendship. Why? Because the character of your friends will affect you. Now turn with me to Proverbs chapter 13. Proverbs 13. Proverbs 13 and verse 20. The Bible says in Proverbs 13, verse 20, He who walks with, with, the, with wise men will be wise, but the command, companion of fools will be destroyed. Now, that's really blunt, isn't it? He who walks with wise men will be wise. That's pretty common sense. You know, we gain wisdom when we make wise people our companions, our friends, our closest associates. Uh, Dr. Bob Jones Sr. used to say, skim the cream from every man. Again, don't pick foolish people as friends. Pick someone who is wise. A close association with foolish men always ends in destruction. The book of Proverbs, the word fool it uses here, it has a moral connotation. It speaks of someone who is immoral or uh, characterless unprincipled and the unprincipled man is a fool uh, when you run into those people when you hang with those people you'll be destroyed the bible says and uh, you can say you know i could be close to friends i can be close friends with them i could be close associates with this these types of people and they won't affect me are you sure about that that what the bible says someone once said you can't run with wolves without learning to howl i guess that's true uh, and you'll become like the people you're around. And that's a guarantee. If you want to know who you are, look at your closest friends. All right? That's a mirror of who you are in the soul. So choose your friends carefully. Choose friends who will uh, challenge you. Choose, choose friends who will sharpen you. Look at Roman numeral number two. It's this. The right friend will seek to improve us. The right friend will seek to improve us. A good friend is not only concerned about what he can get from you uh, socially or other ways, but they are also concerned with giving back to you. That's what a true friend does. Turn, with, turn to me with Proverbs chapter 27. Proverbs chapter 27. Proverbs 27 and verse 9, we're going to look at. And in Proverbs chapter 27, verse 9, it says this, Ointment and perfume delight the heart, and the sweetness of a man's friend gives delight by hearty counsel. Now, what does that mean? Well, let's explore it a bit. Letter A, we should be encouraged by the sweet counsel of a sincere friend. We should be encouraged by the sweet counsel of a sincere friend. Real friends, true friends, they don't criticize just for the sake of criticism. If you're around someone who's always bringing you down, 
they're not a real friend. They really aren't. Because a real friend doesn't criticize just to be critical. A true friend gives counsel that is characterized by both sweetness and earnestness. And by the way, that word hearty, the hearty counsel, means to be earnest. So it's not just criticism or negativity for the sake of negativity. But they're being earnest. They're being heartfelt with you. By the way, can I give another good piece of advice here? You will be a happier person if you don't hang around with critical, negative people. Isn't that the truth? Have you ever had a friend that brought you down? You'll be a happier person if you don't hang around with those types of people. That's going to help you. If you don't take anything else away from you this morning, uh, take that with you. You know, if you hang around with critical, negative people, it's a guarantee that it's going to rub off on you. They are poison. They, uh, and you be careful. Be careful of that. Determine that you're going to spend who you're going to spend time with. <clears throat> okay, turn to Proverbs chapter 27, verses 5 and 6. I think you're already in Proverbs 27. Go to verse 5 and 6, where the Scriptures tell us there in verse 5, open rebuke is better than love carefully concealed. Now, isn't that interesting? We're talking about a friend. We're talking about a friend who seeks to make things better, who seeks to make you better, who seeks to improve you. Open rebuke is better than love carefully concealed. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Oh, we already got that. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Love carefully concealed is basically a love that is, so, is, is really too timid or too afraid to tell you the truth, to, to, to give you any kind of rebuke. And one might question whether that is really sincere love, whether that really is true love. But if a friend must rebuke you, their vocalized disapproval is of more value to you than any hidden admiration. Admiration. You know, when a, when a lot of people a- admire you, that can foster pride in you, can't it? And it can discourage your growth. However, if you have a real friend, if you have a true friend, they're going to tell you where your weaknesses are so that you can correct them. <coughs> now, why is that? A close friend often sees things that maybe you can't see yourself. And they can point out things that you don't see, that no one else does. And sometimes, by the way, even a spouse is afraid to approach a particular topic. You know, if you're a close friend, the right thing to do is to help someone with the right approach. With the right approach. Now, please, listen carefully. A few times in my life, I've had to, uh, I, I've had people in my life, friends who I felt particularly close to, and I've seen something in their life that was kind of damaging in their life. And I had to very privately, uh, very quietly go to them and say, you know, I've noticed some things in your life. I've noticed this and this and this, and can I help you with that? 
You know someone who's got a sense about them will really appreciate that? They'll really appreciate your willingness to help them to grow. Now, it's a private matter between you and them, not something that you bring up with all your circle of friends and everyone around you. There are biblical principles about that too. You don't spread it around. You go to that individual and you tell them, you know, you could fix this in your life. Can I be a help with you in that? You could straighten out that in your life. And that actually is a blessing to that individual. If they've got common sense, they'll realize it comes from a heart that loves them and wants to help them. You know, it's easy to say kind things to people. It's easy to flatter people. It's far more difficult to confront someone lovingly and kindly and say, you know what, you'd be You'd be better if you worked on this area, this particular area of your life. Far more difficult to do that. But the person who's willing to do that is a true friend. Look at letter B. A true friend must wound. A true friend must wound. And again, the Bible says, going back to that verse, faithful are the wounds of a friend. A true friend must wound or hurt your feelings. And if they do so, they do so to help you, not to harm you. You know, they're they're wary about this friendship too. They're willing to risk the friendship to help you improve. They're willing to risk the friendship by hurting you because they really do care. People who only tell you what you want to hear are not your friends. They're not true friends. The kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Now, listen carefully here. Your friendships would deepen dramatically if you would not get offended when a friend comes to you with a sincere issue. If you would just listen to an earnest and sincere person who wants to help something in your life and not get offended by it. Now, follow me on this. It is ridiculous, I think, when someone comes, uh, a, a friend comes with an earnest heart who really wants what is best for you and tells you something that is hard to hear. I think it is ridiculous, utterly ridiculous for you to become angry and offended and say, you know what, I am not their friend anymore. If they're really a friend, they value the friendship too. Right? And they're willing to risk it to help you. They're willing to risk their enjoyment of the friendship in order to help you. That is a real friend. Hold on to them. And in friendship, we ought to get well beyond this thing about getting offended every time somebody says something that we don't like. If you know, uh, you, you, know, you know that if you rub shoulders with anybody closely, anybody, there are going to be times when those people are going to get on your nerves. And you know what? You're going to get on those people's nerves occasionally. Now, there's just going to be times like that. It's time to get over the offended part and realize that sometimes a friend is there to help. And a good friend will be willing to say things that make us uncomfortable or maybe even hurt us at times because they love us. Okay, now for our last point. Roman numeral number three. I'm going to give you just a 
short list. I don't even think we're going to complete it here this morning. I'm going to give you a short list of some friends to beware of. Some friends to beware of. There are some friends we need to be careful about. Because there are some people who can do us harm. The first friend that we need to be careful about is this one. Letter A. A carnal individual. Carnal individual. This is a dangerous friend to have. Now turn with me to Proverbs chapter 23, if you would. Proverbs 23. Proverbs chapter 23. Now we're talking about someone who is all about satisfying the desires of the flesh, all about a good time, all about their own pleasure. Proverbs chapter 23, verses 20 and 21. We'll start with Proverbs 23, verse 20. Do not mix with wine bibbers or with gluttonous eaters of meat. For the drunkard and the glutton will come to poverty, and drowsiness will clothe a man with rags. Now, what does that mean? This is an individual whose main focus is to satisfy the flesh. It's not the idea of friendship that is mutually giving. It's this attitude. It's the idea of a friend who is always taking, always wanting, always wanting what's good for him or her. And the classic example of this in the New Testament, I guess you might say, is the prodigal son. And the prodigal son had all kinds of friends when he had money, right? They threw all kinds of parties as long as he had money. But when the money ran out and he began to be in want, his friends all abandoned him. And he ended up in a pigsty. And that's when he came to his senses and realized that he had been a fool all along. And this type of person is not only looking for fun, um, uh, I mean, they they are only looking for fun, but never for the depth that a relationship can bring. Never a deep relationship. And certainly they're not interested in the spiritual aspect of the friendship, helping you grow in the Lord. Beware of people who are all about having a good time, all about taking, satisfying their own flesh. Now, certainly we're talking here about people who are involved in, uh, as this verse says, people who are involved in drinking too much, people who are involved in eating too much, gluttony, uh, even people who are involved in laziness, lazy people. No, they're just looking for the next good time. Okay, who's another bad person not to make friends with? Letter B, a bitter person. A bitter person. Now turn with me to Proverbs chapter 22. Proverbs 22, and we'll look at verses 24 and 25. Proverbs 22, starting with verse 24. And it says there, Make no friendship with an angry man, and with a furious man do not go lest you learn his ways and set a snare for your soul. And what does that mean? Avoid friendships with people who are characterized by the negative emotion of anger. Avoid them. Now, you know, good people, yes, good people sometimes get angry, but it is out of character for them. It's not, it's not what they're known for. It's not their main characteristic. And we talked about this when we dealt with emotions. But anger is a legitimate emotion. 
You know, but anger out of control is never legitimate. It's never legitimate. And no Christian should be chiefly characterized by the emotion of anger. And the Bible says you're to make no friendship with an angry man. The furious man is the individual who loses control in his anger. They blow up. He has a bad temper. He has a short fuse. Now, do not be caught in his company. Don't hang out with people who are that way. And by the way, a Christian, a Christian who cannot control their temper, well, it's kind of a contradiction in terms, isn't it? So I know that we know that the Bible says that uh, we can do all things through Christ who strengthened us, right? We can control our anger with the help of our Lord and with the help of the Holy Spirit. We can control our anger. Now, I choose to believe the Bible. And you can control your temper in the power of Jesus Christ. So, the, so be very wary of an individual who, who's characterized by anger or by fury. Anger and a hot, short temper are contagious. They are contagious. Why stay away from them? Lest you learn his ways and set a snare for your soul. If you associate closely with someone who is angry or furious, it will become infectious. You will catch it. Now, I've talked to people who've worked for a, a boss who is angry and furious, an angry and furious individual. And, and if they work a long time for that person, they start kind of rubbing off. And pretty soon they become just like the boss. So the Bible says the reason to avoid angry people and out-of-control people is because you will learn their ways. And what will happen then? It will set a snare for your soul. It will affect your innermost being. Now, listen again closely here. Everything I've said here today deals with close associations. Close associations of me or you uh, with other individuals. And everything I've said deals with their influence, the influence of people we rub shoulders with. Because no person is an island, right? We're all influenced by who or what we associate with. I want to pause there for a moment and probably emphasize something that maybe you haven't thought of this morning. You might say, well, I don't have any friends like that. I don't have people who are carnal. I don't have people that are angry. I don't associate with those types of people. I've got no friends like that. Okay, let me ask you something. How much time do you, associ do you associate with your television? Think about that, because subconsciously, you can adopt the same outlook you can adopt the same character traits, the same actions, even the same vocabulary by an intimate relationship with your TV, by an intimate relationship with your computer, by an intimate relationship with your phone, whatever it may be. And so we might not run into people physically who are of those characteristics, but they may, we may still come under their influence. We need to be careful there, choosing what we watch, choosing what we listen to. 
I think we'll just stop there for today. Even though we have several more personalities to go through to avoid, uh, maybe we'll pick up on that next week and, and, and finish our list of friends who we need to be careful of. We'll do that next week. But I do hope that all of us remember that our friendships and our close associations we have in life, the ones we spend the most time with, will have a profound uh, a, a profound um, influence on our attitudes, on our actions, and on our character. They most certainly will. So let's be careful about the friends we choose. Let's be careful about the people we associated, associate with closely. Let's avoid those people who tend to influence us in a negative way. Those who would take, uh, to always be taking, or those who would lead us away from the joy that we should have in our Lord Jesus Christ. Now let's choose friends who are givers, not just takers. Those who have our best interests in mind, even if it means wounding us sometimes. Because they love us. You know what? Let's be that type of individual as well. Let's go out and have a positive impact on the relationships that we have, on the people that we associate with. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for your word today. Again, Lord, it is extremely practical. Make us obedient to it. Lord, we pray that you'd help us to remember these principles from your word when the opportunity arises in our lives. Lord, we pray that the Holy Spirit would remind us of these principles in the days and the weeks to come. And Father, that by applying this wisdom in our life, we can really be light years ahead of those who are ignorant of these truths. Lord, give us grace. Give us the discernment to know how to apply your word practically in our lives. To know the types of friends that we need to associate with or not associate with. Lord, give us wisdom in dealing with these types of issues. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.